following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand, I am tired, I am weak, I am lost. Precious Lord, and lead me
it is God's intention to establish his glorious throne in every believer's heart. He is blocked from doing that by what started at the very beginning of time. Today I want to lay forth a foundation for your understanding to give you the big picture of what God is doing and how he's being blocked by the human heart, by the self-life. But God intends that every one of you should have the glorious throne of Jesus Christ established in your heart. There is a place he wants to meet us. He has absolute love, grace, and mercy for each of us. Why is it then that we live so much in the lowland, beat up, tired, exhausted, not walking in the joy and the freedom of Jesus Christ that he's called us to walk in? I think you'll understand at a very deep level after we spend several days focusing on this issue of the glorious throne of God. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I come today rejoicing because the radio bill for the month of May has been entirely covered God moved in great power in many of your hearts, causing you to generously give, to step forward and say, this must continue on the air. We go month to month. It is a faith ministry. I have no ability to pay this radio bill, but I come to you with an offertory at the end of every month. And then during the month, many of you send tithes and offerings so that when we come to the end of the month, we don't have a train wreck. Thank you. Thank you. Dear brother and sister, thank you. Many of you I've not heard from yet this month. I'm eager that you should step forward because I know a part of what will move your heart is to give. Giving is a part of the worship that needs to go on during this radio broadcast. Let's begin by praying. Lord Jesus, so many times we have blocked you from doing what you want to do for us, but even more in us. And I pray today that as we talk about these fundamental, basic things, you will begin to cause the light of your presence to dawn in our hearts in a new way. Lord Jesus, Our eyes have been covered. We have been deceived by the enemy time after time, and he has ruled over us. And I'm asking Jesus that the power of the enemy, the devil, would be broken, entirely broken. That the veil would be lifted from our eyes. It is so deceptive. It is so ingratiating. It is so easy to step into the delusion that Satan 
spreads before our feet. As one brother said, the result is an atomic blast lives that almost totally wrecks us. Lord, I'm asking today for your presence to unveil the self-life walking with the devil. Make it plain to our hearts. Don't let us walk in any deception. Don't let us continue to play with the demonic power. And though he comes as an angel of light. Lord, I choose today to resist the devil, to give total allegiance to you, Jesus Christ, to be possessed by you, to be owned by you, to be saved by you. Thank you. Uncover now, please. Give us the courage to choose you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. What I'm going to try to talk about today and next week is so deceptive. It is so cunning that we find ourselves serving Jesus, but in fact cooperating with evil powers, with demonic forces, and we don't even know it. We're unconscious of it. I would ask that you would earnestly pray that as I share these messages about the glorious throne of God, that it would become plain and clear to you. Let's begin in Genesis. Genesis, the second chapter. This is the creation story, and that's where it begins. In the second chapter of Genesis, I'll begin reading with verse 8. I'm going to go slowly. I want you to chew on and think about what is being said. And as the light begins to dawn, dig into the scriptures. Genesis 2, verse 8. Now the Lord had planted a garden in the east. East means the place of new beginning. In the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Then read with me, please. Verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it, to take care of it. And the Lord commanded the man... You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat of it, you will surely die. So we have two trees. The tree of the knowledge of and the tree of life. 
Now we're going to see clearly as we move through this study that the tree of life is Jesus Christ. I'll say much more about that later. We also see that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil is there as a gateway into the demonic, into wickedness. It is a place that has a gate where I can choose to be what I choose to be. I can do what I want to do. I can determine what is right and what is wrong for me. I spoke with a man just two days ago. He was sharing with me his philosophy of life. And I said to him, How do you know what you're saying is true? He said, Well, I don't know. But I don't need to know. Because I make my own truth. I said, wait a minute. You've heard about hell. Oh, yes, but I don't believe in hell, he said. If there is a God, he is a God of love and mercy and kindness, and he would never cast me into hell. So I'm free to do what I'd like to do. And I want to have integrity, and I want to be able to to walk with people in friendship. But I'm in charge of my life. Well, I said to him, what if you're wrong? What if there is a hell with fire and brimstone? He said, well, then in that case, I'll just have to deal with that when I come to it. But I said, my friend, it's too late at that point to change your course or your direction. You are for eternity cast into the fire to be burned. He said, oh, I don't believe that. This man is just more blatant in what this tree of the knowledge of good and evil is really all about. That I am my own God. I will determine what is right and what is wrong. But it goes much deeper than that. I want to show you. In the third chapter of Genesis, verse 1, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? So now the serpent the dragon has come and he's questioning with an insinuation that God is not really fair. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not surely die, the serpent said to the woman. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some, ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her. 
and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked, so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden, but I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? The answer is yes. And so what has happened? This woman and this man, the perfect creation of God, who even had the privilege of fellowshipping with God. For that's what God wants. From the very beginning of the book of Genesis all the way through to the end of the book of Revelation, everything is going to be about what God has to do to fellowship with his creatures, his Adam and Eve, his people. God created Adam and Eve because he wanted fellowship with them. But they chose another course. They chose to go through the gateway into the realm of darkness. And they were trapped there. It is a one-way door. Now we learn much later that they can only escape that trap by dying. God said, on the day you eat of it, you will die. The only escape from this trap is to die, to be resurrected in the glorious coming of the Lord Jesus Christ into our hearts. There is a death first. Now, let me become very practical about where this takes us. All of my life, I have loved Jesus. I was born in a Christian family. I was raised in Christian schools. I then became a pastor. But now let me confess the desperate deception that Satan brings to us. And you will recognize it immediately as I speak of it. It is that I will decide what is best for me. I love Jesus. I walk as a Christian. But it's only part-time. The other side is that we think we have the authority and the right and the obligation to produce our own life, to make our own decisions. Because, after all, how should we make decisions? And so our life, literally, even though we call ourselves Christians, begins to flow out of our own life out of our own heart, 
out of our own decisions. And so often we'll make decisions out of hurt feelings, out of bitterness, out of thinking we've been treated unfairly. We make decisions based on what we believe is best for us. We make those decisions, and sometimes they're wise decisions. Often they're not wise. Because under the deception of the devil, we will make decisions that will cause us to prosper, to be comfortable. We will make decisions that we think protect us and our family. Those decisions are flowing from our own heart, not from the heart of Jesus. The challenge now of all of the Old Testament and then moving into the New Testament is how can God establish his glorious throne in our lives, in our hearts, and take total possession, body, soul, and mind, and literally have his residence in us when we're already full of making our own choices and decisions. How many times I've sat in board meetings at churches or vestry meetings in churches. We've made the very best plans we can. We've asked Jesus to bless us and direct our thoughts. And then we move forward and we make the decisions and then we ask Jesus to bless those decisions in the benediction. What have we done? We've acted as we thought was in best interest of the church. We've acted in what we thought was the best interest of the issue that was involved. It was not Jesus' answer. It was our answer. It's what we thought. It's what we wanted. Making the decision because life flows from us. Let me describe for you several Old Testament passages that will bring us understanding regarding these things. If we look first in Isaiah, the 30th chapter, Isaiah, the 30th chapter, in verse 9, Isaiah writes, these are rebellious people, deceitful children, children unwilling to listen to the Lord's instruction. They say to the seers, see no more visions. To the prophets, give us no more visions of what is right. Tell us pleasant things. Prophesy illusions. Leave this way. Get off this path. Stop confronting us with the Holy One of Israel. That was the whole history of the children of Israel. You think that is not our history today? And then he says in verse 15, this is Isaiah 30, 15. This is what the sovereign Lord says, the Holy One of Israel. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In repentance, what for? For making my own decisions about what I will do 
where I will go, what school I'm going to go to, what investment I'm going to make. I make the decisions. He's saying, repent for making those decisions. Rest. What does rest mean? Cessation. Stop. He says, in repentance and rest. Now, let me say, when I make a decision that I'm no longer going to create my own life, period, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to continue doing what I'm doing right now, but I'm going to wait on the Lord. I'm not going to make a new decision until I hear from God. It may be some time before you hear from him. I used to refer to this as the time of the gap dragon. That time between when I let go of my life and when Jesus comes and takes a hold of it. There's usually a period of time that goes by. That can be a time of great crisis and has been in my life. In repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. You said, I can't stand this job another day. I'm out of here. I'm done here. I can't stand this friendship. I can't stand this relationship. I can't stand whatever it is. I'm done here. I'm finished. No, you're not. The Lord says, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. You wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses. No, I'm going to get away from this. I'm going to do what I need to do to survive. Verse 17, a thousand will flee at the threat of one. At the threat of five, you will all flee away. Till you are left like a flagstaff on the mountaintop, like a banner on the hill. In other words, you're going to be hung up to dry. You're going to lose. You're going to have a life filled with strife and bitterness and fear and anger. You're going to not have peace and joy in your heart because life is flowing out of your own heart to create the world that you desire. It's not God flowing and you being taken along in the flowing power of God. Our life is literally, if I could put it this way, like a riverbed. And the river that flows through that riverbed is intended to be the presence and the power of Jesus Christ. But if what's flowing in that riverbed are our own desires, our own heart cries, if what is flowing in that riverbed is our own ambition, our own anger, our own bitterness, we're going to do it our way. Person has caused me great concern. Because God called them to do a certain thing. But then they said, I've been tricked. It wasn't really God. It wasn't really God. If it wasn't really God, then 
what is it now? It's your own heart. It's your own desire. It's your own ambition. It's your own demanding that you be able to flow from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Verse 18, yet the Lord longs to be gracious to you. He rises to show you compassion. Many times I've made the wrong choice. You know why it was the wrong choice? Because it was my choice. Not Jesus' choice. You see, what was set up in the Garden of Eden is that Adam and Eve decided that they wanted to make their own choices. They wanted to create their own reality. They were filled with ambition to be wiser, to be as wise as God. They wanted to have the world at their fingertips. They were not content to walk in the cool of the evening with God and fellowship and love him. And so they were cast out of the garden. And an angel was sent there to guard the way to the tree of life, lest they eat of the tree of life and live forever. We were barred from the tree of life, from the Garden of Eden, until Jesus Christ died on Calvary, and he said, This is my body broken for you. My blood is real drink, and my body is real food. And spiritual food was given to us at the, at the cross of Jesus Christ. And all of our decisions must flow then out of that cross of Jesus and out of that glorious presence and throne of God. We, we are nurtured and we are strengthened by the broken body of Jesus. We are humbled by it. We are nurtured by the shed blood of Jesus as it washes away our guilt and our sin. We are made whole, and we are made fit for the throne of God to come. Have him sit in our hearts and our lives. The Lord longs to be gracious to you. Roman, uh, Isaiah 30, verse 18. He rises to show you compassion, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. O people of Zion, who live in Jerusalem, you will weep no more. How gracious he will be when you cry for help. As soon as he hears, he will answer you. Although the Lord gives you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, your teachers will be hidden no more. With your own eyes, you will see them. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Then you will defile your idols overlaid with silver and your images covered with gold. You will throw them away like a minstrel cloth and say to them, Away with you. He will send you rain for the seed you sow in the ground, and the food that comes from the land will be rich and plentiful. In that day your cattle will graze in broad meadows. In other words, the Lord wants to prosper us. He wants to bless us with his presence. He wants to dwell in us. He wants to redeem us from the power of the dark, evil dragon. 
Now it's clear that God loves us. Look with you at Isaiah 50, verse 10 and 11. Among you fears the Lord and obeys the word of his servant. Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. But now all you who light fires and provide yourselves with flaming torches, go walk in the light of your fires and of the torches you've set ablaze. This is what you shall receive from my hand. Lie down in torment. He's speaking to a man or woman who who fears the Lord, who, who respects, who reverences the Lord God of heaven and obeys the word of Jesus Christ. And yet walk in darkness. Right now, That's where I am. I'm walking in darkness, not in sin. I'm walking in darkness in the sense that I cannot see the next step God has for me. But I am trusting in the name of the Lord. I am relying on God. What does that mean specifically for me? Well, he's assigned me this radio broadcast day by day. That was the Holy Spirit that moved and set this up. And evidence again of the Holy Spirit's power and presence was yesterday when I confessed I have no ability to pay for this broadcast. God moved and the broadcast is paid for. Only God could do that. So I know He's assigned me this broadcast. I know he has assigned me the National Prayer Chapel on Sunday. It's a small house church. That's okay. I minister there to the people who come. We pray and share, read the word. We gather in the name of Jesus. We sing. We read the scriptures. We share our concerns. We share our walk. We're accountable one to another. And then the third thing I do is minister during the week to the people the Lord brings to me. But I am no longer pushing anything or anybody. I have no plans except one plan to wait upon the Lord. He's promised that he will bring revival. I cannot bring revival to Washington. Only Jesus can bring revival. Only Jesus can cause people to be deeply convicted of their sin and turn from their wickedness. Now, there are things I could be doing. I could be running a radio ad campaign and calling people to come go out and rent a place, call people to come to the National Prayer Chapel, build a church, bring in guest speakers that will attract people, bring in concerts that will attract people. 
I know the game. I won't play it. I'm not going to play it. So how do I spend my time? Well, I spend my time preparing for the broadcast. I spend my time preparing for Sunday as I share the word with the people. I spend my time in prayer, the reading of scripture, fasting and praying and reading the word. That's all I'm doing now. And it's a wonderful gift to be able to spend that time in close, intimate fellowship with Jesus. Well, how am I surviving? I am not surviving by anything that I am doing. I'm not surviving by anything that I am planning. I'm not surviving by outlining some great vision of a megachurch. Been there, done that, foolishness. All I want now is Jesus. And so I live my life very simply. I'm at the house almost all the time. I won't go into why. That's not important. But I'm waiting before God. And I'm crying out to him. I'm asking him to utterly establish his throne in my heart. And I will not ever again thrust myself forward with my plans, even if I think they're wonderful ideas. Or with your ideas or your plans, I'm not going to thrust myself out and try to bring to pass something that I think would be good for the kingdom of God. Who am I to do that? It must arise out of prayer, out of supplication, out of meditation, out of reading the word, out of waiting for the rhema word of God. There is the logos word, and there is the rhema word. The logos word is Jesus Christ and his message recorded in the scriptures. The rhema word is the breathed word of the Holy Spirit as he speaks and unveils the truth about Jesus and gives specific direction for the next step. So, I'm waiting on Jesus. Part of what happens as I read the scripture is that it becomes a mirror held up in my face. Points out areas of impatience, areas of discouragement, areas of, of all that has been lost because of the flow of my life coming through the knowledge of the tree of evil, of good and evil. It is the knowledge of good and evil. But it takes you directly into the realm of Satan. Now please hear me. Where does your life flow from? Does it flow from your own heart, from your own ambition, from your own desires, or does your life flow from the heart of Jesus Christ? That's really the question. 
And that's what we're going to be dealing with in the coming weeks. In this passage in Isaiah 50, he's saying, Let him who walks in the dark, who has no light, trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. That is exactly what I'm doing. Some would say, Pastor, you're just wasting your time. No, I'm not wasting any any time at all. I'm resting in Jesus. I shared yesterday, he said three things to me. One, wait upon the Lord. Two, I will carry you, he said. And three, trust and rest in me, Ray. Rest in me, Ray. Well, that's the opposite of everything I've known in my life. All I've known is go, go, go. Come up with the next set of plans. Go after the next dream, the next vision. Always reaching out, trying to be the next step ahead. I don't do that anymore. I wait on Jesus now. He is free to create what he chooses to create. And if he chooses not to create anything, I'm content just to be in his presence and wait on him until I die. I only have one place that I desire to be, and that is in the heart of Jesus Christ. And I'm absolutely at peace, and there's joy in my heart. I love Jesus. He's my Lord and my Master. I owe him everything. But now listen, but now all you who light fires, that is, those of you who turn on the flashlight, those of you who go searching for the next big deal, or those who go searching trying to figure out, okay, what's my life going to be about? You're a young person. Somebody asks you, what are you going to be when you grow up? Tell them, I'm going to be a servant of Jesus Christ doesn't matter what it costs me. I am going to be a servant of Jesus, and I'm going to go to the school he sends me to. I'm going to do the profession he calls me to. Everything in my life has to flow out of the heart of Jesus. Take that strong stand. You will not be deceived. But now all of you who light fires, you who turn on the lights and go after your deal, Provide yourselves with flaming torches. He says, go. Walk in the light of your fires. Jesus says, okay. You want to go out and search out your next business opportunity? Go to it. You want to go out and figure out what's your next big deal? Go to it. That's what he's saying. Go to it. And this is what you shall receive from my hand. You will lie down in torment. Searching after your own life is the way Jesus said you lose your life. Searching after your own life cause you to lose your life. There's another passage I want to take you to. Jeremiah 17, 
Jeremiah 17. I'm going to begin reading with verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed, utterly detestable, is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. He's like a bush in the wastelands. He will not see prosperity when it comes. He will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives, even though, I want to tell you, even though he may become a millionaire or a billionaire. His heart is going to be a parched place in the desert. A salt land where no one can survive. Verse 7, But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree transplanted to the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct according to what his deeds deserve. Verse 12. A glorious throne exalted from the beginning is the place of our sanctuary. O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you will be put to shame. Those who turn away from you will be written in the dust because they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Heal me, O Lord. I will be healed. Save me, and I will be saved. For you are the one I praise. Question again comes. How are you going to walk? How are you going to walk? Are you going to be the the keeper of your direction? Or are you going to surrender your life fully into the hands of Jesus Christ and wait upon him for direction regarding your next step? Hosea chapter 10 verse 12. Sow for yourselves innocence, righteousness. Reap the fruit of unfailing love. Break up your unplowed ground, for it's time to seek the Lord until he comes and showers righteousness on you. But you have planted wickedness, have reaped evil. You have eaten the fruit of deception because you have depended on your own strength and on your many warriors. The roar of battle will rise against your people so that all your fortresses will be utterly devastated. The flow of your life must come from the heart of Jesus, 
not from your Now we're almost out of time for this broadcast. Yesterday I prayed for a precious woman with an intestinal problem. And the report I got back right after the broadcast was finished was that the Lord touched her and healed her. If you're listening today, would you please call right now and just share your testimony? Call 877-534-0780. Call 877-534-0780. We have just a couple of minutes. I'd love to hear the testimony that God has moved in power for you and healed your body. We'll talk more about this later, but you recognize when we ask for healing, for the touch of God, it's actually God himself who is there for us. Our healing is Jesus. Our life is Jesus. Our everything is Jesus. Do you understand? Out of the flow of your heart, your destiny will be determined. Heaven or hell will come based on whether you followed the flow of your own deceiving and deceptive heart or whether you followed the word of the living God and were filled with his presence. Yes, let's take the caller. Jamal? Hello, Jamal? waiting for that call. If we can't get it today, Jamal, we'll take it next Monday. Jamal, do you have her? Okay. Yes, what would you like to share? Hello? I'm sorry, Jamal, he's not on. Or she's not on. Yes? Jamal? Uh, Do we have a caller? Uh, No, he's not connected. That's okay. We're out of time. Monday, I'll open the lines, and I'd like to hear from you. Now let's pray. Lord, I come today recognizing that it's out of you that the flow of life must come. That I don't have life in me. That I'm destined to die and to be cast out except the precious death of Jesus on the cross where he died to open the door into life once more for the sons of Adam, the daughters of Eve. 
So, Lord, I come today repenting before you for every time I reached out to create reality for myself, where I reached out and made the choice eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Lord, I utterly renounce the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You are everything to me. You are the bread of life. You are the the drink of fresh water. You are the lover of my soul. Jesus, you are the director of my steps. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenlee from the National Prayer Chapel. Please write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Glory with great joy.